Welcome back to another episode of Refuge Radio. I'm Gaines Taylor, pronouns he, him, his. And I am Brendan Bell, pronouns he, him, his. Well, thanks for joining us again. We're really excited. Been really enjoying this journey that we're all going on together. And it's been a lot of fun. Uh, Had some great feedback for the first three episodes and uh, looking forward to jumping in today. I think a big thing, Brendan, we should definitely discuss today about a week or so ago. Pray Away came out on Netflix, the documentary, the big deal documentary that's about conversions therapy, most specifically Exodus International and the rise and fall of that. You've watched it. I've watched it. What are, what were like some of your takeaways and like observations during the documentary? I think for me going I was not sure really what to expect going into it. I think coming out of it, I really thought what a great resource to have to show, I think, maybe more straight cisgender people who have grown up in conservative spaces and have are stuck in this mindset that being queer in some way, you can change that behavior. You can go through whatever and change. And I think this documentary does a great job of showing like, no, actually you can't in a very real, visceral, poignant way. So I think it is great for that. I think for queer folks, maybe it's not as helpful or as cathartic as I think a lot of people were hoping it would be, or as validating, I think for queer people or the queer experience in that. Um, But I do think it does a great job of opening up the eyes of people that have not been in those spaces or have had those experiences to kind of help show them what it has been like for many queer people that have been raised in more conserved spaces. Um, Maybe what that feels like a little bit more. I know I've talked to a couple of different straight people who are allies who have watched the documentary and have come up to me afterward and been like, I knew what you went through was hard, but I had no idea. And it it really helped open their eyes, I think, to a new level of what it is like. And so for that, I am really appreciative of it. I know I've seen a lot of criticism in the their queer community of the documentary that it really, it almost, I guess, it, you built compassion, I guess, towards the leaders of the the, the different ministries, the conversion therapy ministries, which I understand that criticism. And as someone who only went through a six month conversion therapy program, I think my, my time in that was minimal. Uh, so I understand for the survivors of that, that that would be really hard and really traumatizing for them. What I really appreciated about the documentary in that vein, though, is it, I think it painted this really clear picture that the enemy here isn't each other. The enemy here is ultimately homophobia and the homophobic culture that is alive and well within fundamentalist Christianity and really a lot of other fundamentalist conservative circles. And as long as that homophobia, transphobia remains, there will always be groups like Exodus. We see at the end, they kind of threw uh, the changed movement under the bus a little bit there, but kind of just showing that there will always be groups that are advocating a form of conversion therapy, 
as long as it is not something that is embraced by more conservative spaces. What were your thoughts, Gaines? Those were my long-winded thoughts. <laughs> yeah, no, no. Thanks for sharing. I mean, we've talked about this, how I, I never went through like the conversion therapy proper, which I it's not a best way of phrasing it, but a program like that. I, I refer it to the, those programs, uh, the vocabulary, the techniques just permeated into evangelical culture though. And so I... I experienced a lot of what I call um, micro conversion therapy. So church leaders and other people I grew up with would use the same phrases and things that were taught in Exodus or, or organizations like that, you know, you need to be more manly or you have to do this. If this is, you know, just like redirection and other things like that. So the, many flashbacks were happening during with conversations while while watching the documentary and two friends joined me watching it both straight cisgender guys and we had such good discussions after afterwards they're both allies but their shock at it like all of our shock at it was just like how did this happen this how is it still going on and i think and all of us, just the horror at the fact, it's like, people can't change. Why, you know, and the science behind it, you know, the, the psychology behind it. And the evangelical church is like, well, we're going to make up our own science. And we're going <laughs> to, we're going to partner with, and what the, the, at the one point, the guy talking about the symbiotic relationship between these pseudo psychologists and exodus and how they just feed off of each other and they profit off of each other to manipulate people into thinking they can change but uh now i'm going long-winded but <laughs> like it, it it was a lot and i'm glad for my friends who are there watching it with me that we got to like discuss it and i think we even they were a little traumatized by it because there were so many evangelical conservative moments that we all got struck by not really sure where i'm going with that part but there's yeah it, it was a lot and, and i think it was valuable and i think you're right the battle is against homophobia and not so much those people those leaders yeah and i just want to amend a statement i made earlier i kind of i said that i only did a six-month conversion therapy program as and it almost sounded like I was being dismissive of that. And I just want to say, you know, that is that still is not good. <laughs> and it is traumatizing. And it is, yeah. So I don't want to be dismissive of that experience and say that was no big deal or something, especially for those of you who have also been through that and have been traumatized by those things. It still is impactful and it still is a big deal. Yeah, I mean, we've talked, you know, a lot about this on here and also off, like the fact any type of conversion therapy and any queer Christian is going to say, who's affirming, who, you know, any type of conversion therapy is highly traumatizing. When you're told you are broken, you're broken more than other people, you know, yeah. it's like, you're sinful, but you're actually a little extra sinful compared to everyone else. Like, 
at the fall you fell a little harder and it's like well fuck you like just (laughs) yeah yeah there's a little bit of that I definitely that resonates so deeply with me because I remember it was in this random church basement and uh it was like some Lutheran church and I remember there were many nights because it was always at night I would get so angry because obviously no one else could be there at the church and I would be like what is so extra wrong with me that I need to drive an hour once a week to be at this group and like no one else does when I don't really feel like I mean of course you know no one's perfect but I'm like I don't feel like there's something extra wrong with me that requires this much attention so yeah there is definitely that pressure that it's an unspoken thing that is put on us that there is something extra wrong with you that requires extra attention yeah Um, something else i really liked in the documentary Um, And I know we were talking about this earlier, Gaines, was the section of it where the survivors are faced with the the leadership of Exodus, and the survivors are able to tell their stories. And it was, I believe it was from a special that was aired on a a network. And I really appreciated, and I'm going to butcher the thing that he said, but one of the survivors said something along the lines of, my soul was destroyed not by doing the wrong things, quote unquote, but doing the right things. And I just felt like that perfectly summed up my entire experience trying to crush my quote unquote same sex attractions while being in a fundamentalist culture. Yeah. So I guess kind of in the vein of pray away and all of these these traumatizing things that we have experienced as, as, as gay people, queer people, trans people that have existed in, you know, this context, specifically Christian conservative culture. But then of course there are other conservative religious spaces that are equally as traumatizing for people um, in different ways. What has been something uh, maybe that has been really healing for you gains in in kind of learning to embrace your queer identity coming out of that. I had a really self-deprecating joke like lined up immediately, but I'm like, I don't want that. I was just going to be like alcohol immediately. (laughs) 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 So no, no, no. I don't think there was an easy answer to that because I think there was so much, there was so much, yearning to find that and I think the answer was in in those spaces and in any space it's like where can I find my people Christina talked about this a few episodes back like find your tribe and so I think part of going through what I went through and it, it was like okay, well, where is a group that is going through the same thing I'm going through? And, or if I do change, like, I'll fit in or, you know, then I'll be, if I quote unquote, air quotes, get fixed, if I get fixed, so I'm straight again, you know, then I'll fit in with everyone else and I'll have my people and I won't be this like broken thing. So 
when I gave up on that and was like, this is who I am, but I'm also a Christian where a lot of people I know who are queer are not, it was like, all right, what do I do with these two things? And for years and years, I didn't know. And it was tough to like, kind of find an answer. And weird enough, during 2020, during COVID, uh, through social media is when I actually started meeting through Zoom, a lot of queer Christians and finding my tribe. And that's made all the difference when it comes to socially and just like mental health, spiritual health, yeah, and it's just been able, that's how we met from the Queer Christian Fellowship Conference. I also met people I look up to, Matt Nightingale. He's been an inspiration, just kind of a leader of faith, a queer leader of faith. So I think that's like a quick answer in the sense of being able to answer it. As for actual time, a long time to get to that point. What about you? How did your like kind of journey take you from, yeah, I'm going to use Christina's term, finding your tribe. We'll link all these podcasts together. <laughs> so, <laughs> yes. I think for me, it was a very long and difficult journey. I think for it started for me with books, which it always does. Some sort of book media consumption. That's always where it starts. So it started with me reading books by queer authors, Christian queer authors, and just finding such a feeling so at home with them and feeling like that is where I belong in these, in this space between spaces, I guess you could say. Mm, yeah. And uh, like I read Torn, God and the Gay Christian, and really feeling a camaraderie with them. And then I started listening to a lot of podcasts and really not only feeling a camaraderie with queer Christians, but also the deconstruction community in general. I'm listening to things like uh, the Bible for Normal People, Rob Bell's Robcast, uh, all, all these different sort of former fundamentalist spaces that are just deconstructing the shit out of everything. And um, that was really helpful for me to know I wasn't alone and to know that these people who are so well-educated and so invested in the fundamentalist community formerly um, now are intelligently deconstructing and bringing other people along the journey with them. And that's, of course, where I fell in love with like Richard Rohr and all of those people too. And so I think from there, and then it has been very similar for me obviously gains, uh, where joining, I randomly saw Queer Christian Fellowships 2020 conference was going to be online and it was going to be $30. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, I can afford that. I don't have to fly anywhere. As, as much as like, we're both in cold weather states in the winter. So as much as I would have loved to go into Florida or Arizona, it's like, well, online is fine. It's yeah, cheaper. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. And so I was like, what the heck? I'll, I'll go to that. And then I randomly got pulled into the Zoom room on the first night of the conference. And I was like, what is happening? Like, it was really strange. And it was like, 
eight other guys and i was like i was like oh they all know each other why am i in here it was weird <laughs> but then i found out later no one knew each other and yeah. somehow we all randomly just got pulled into this room and we ended up all clicking and getting along so well and we did like every session of a conference we zoomed together and then we spent hours afterwards just sharing our stories and just encouraging each other and processing kind of what a person had shared in, in session or if we did like there's little breakout groups where people talked about different things like how do you navigate relationships as a queer Christian what does that look like and it was awesome it was I for the first time in honestly probably like 15 years I was like excited about spirituality and I was like I felt spiritually like refreshed by being around the like-minded people who had been in similar places, have thoughtfully deconstructed those places and are now kind of holding our old beliefs and being like, I don't know what to do with these. And it was, and all of that was welcome. And it was, it was just such a beautiful accepting space. And it was so meaningful for me. And I know for you Gaines as well, we have all kind of kept in touch and we still meet every once in a while, encourage each other. And it's been, that has been so meaningful for me to find that space of people to the point where now we talk about in trauma-informed care in terms of like social work, therapy, et cetera. And we talk about building resiliency. So when you have experienced trauma, the one of the goals is then to how do we increase your resiliency and one of the best things to do is to increase your social network increase your social social and emotional resources and so when we're talking about coming out transitioning one of the most important things that we recommend for clients coming in is let's build that social network of people that are going to love and accept you exactly as you are whether that might be coming out to safe people that are already in your life or whether that will be finding new people and creating a new family that will love and accept you and what spaces can we go to where you will find that acceptance whether that's at a support group at an lgbtq plus community center or whether that's an online forum that is safe or whether for like us who still identify as christian that's a space like the Queer Christian Network. Yeah, absolutely. Or Queer Christian Fellowship. Yeah. Give me two seconds. This is kind of funny. My mom just <laughs> texted me. I was looking at my watch here. My parents are going to watch Pray Away, and they forgot the name of it. They're turning it on right now. So. <laughs> <laughs> like, talk about That's timing. Perfect. Yeah, yeah. Seriously. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, it's too good. But yeah, no, it's it's been good finding that space with them. I've felt in the past, and by the past, I mean like, I don't know, 10 years now, maybe like that. So for a while, very much, and I think I still do in a way, torn or 
being in the middle of a tug of war game between my faith identity and my queer identity. And I think the last year or so, meeting so many people who are in both of those as well, like me, has helped me become more whole. And I was working towards that on my own as well with like books and stuff. But books before when I was reading them on my own, people would give me books, but they were all always by like side B people or, you know, things like that. A big one, Washed in Waiting by Wesley Hill. Uh, That's about <laughs> to say that one. Yes. I was like, like Washed in Waiting. Yes, yes. <laughs> yes, yes. Sorry, Wesley um, Hill. Which is, yeah, I, and I mean. I'm sure he's for, wonderful. Yeah, I'm sure he is too. And for who, like, for the book, it's, like, decent. I have never been, I'm an Enneagram 4, and that book depressed me. Like, and I mean, and who gave it to me had the best intentions in mind. But, like, if you can, like, depress me with media, like, that's saying something. Like, kudos to you. I, I live in the heavy and, like... And, and I love deep stuff, but like just on a personal level where I was, it's like, that was the worst thing to give me at the time. But yeah, I didn't discover, like, I actually haven't read God and the Gay Christian. I, I know Matthew Vine's the author of that. I've recommended the book and I haven't read it yet, but like I've, I've watched some of his stuff with the Reformation projects. Matthew's a good guy. I, yeah, I've talked to him a couple times, um, but like, yeah, I should read his book. And so, um, but yeah, it, it's good to finally have some of that affirming theology literature out there. Yeah. Unclobber is a decent book by, oh, what's his name? Colby Martin, I think. Yes, yep, yep. Who, who's yep, an yep. ally, but it, yep. it's, a, it's a solid read. But yeah, I think the last year has been so helpful finding people like me and just realizing I don't have to be in a game of tug of war. I can be an entire person and it's not just be queer or just be Christian and push down the other side. Because I honestly, I don't think for me, fully embracing being queer and pushing down my faith part of my life is just as unhealthy as fully embracing my faith side and putting like both are just as unhealthy to me what has it looked like to push down your religious identity what does that look like for you i think sometimes it's as simple as like not trying to be like like it's not necessarily always like a huge deal like trying to hide anything but I remember the simplest story level. I remember I, I have on my arm uh, the story of the Good Samaritan. Not the entire story, the verse reference. <laughs> it's, not, it's not a whole chapter on my arm. Yeah, I've got that reference, Luke 10, 25 to 37 on my arm. And so I remember being in Philly at a bar one night, a gay bar that unfortunately is shut down because of COVID. I was had a drink guy started talking to me and we were chatting and then he noticed it on my arm and it was like that killed conversation it was just over because there's been so much trauma due to faith and so yeah at times it's like I can't hide who that part of me but sometimes there 
has been like, well, let me not make this the initial thing. Not that that's me anyway. I've never been the like Jesus slogan t-shirt guy. I think that story is a good, simple example because I think it's exactly the same thing I do reverse at the church. It's like people sometimes, not so much the church I'm at now, but other times it's like people may know I'm gay, but as long as I don't bring it up at church, it's all right. You know, and and we talked about this last episode, how it's like, as long as you act in a certain way and do certain things, it's fine. Yeah. And I honestly feel in my experience, it's the same way on the other side. It's like, you can be a person of faith at like a gay bar or at wherever in the queer community, but only if you do it in a certain way. Yeah. And I also think this transcends the subject too. Like we're always, you know, there's different environments where it's like, just focus on this part of your life. And then all the others just keep, it's just some social contract thing that, yeah. So I think this also transcends what we're talking about, but I think for us and what we're talking about right now, it's very, very real. And it's like, probably the biggest parts of our lives that we yeah yeah I think you bring up some really good points I have definitely put pressure on myself in many queer spaces to not talk about faith also at the same time I feel like I and this is tying back to pray away like I understand why where I think and by think this is it's not I think this is true the church the christian church specifically has done damage to the queer community like real damage psychological physical emotional spiritual damage and so i understand why faith can be such a awkward subject in some in some queer spaces not in all and actually not in most from my experience now. I think the LGBTQ plus community, at least in my experience, is very open to spirituality and is very welcoming of it. However, I do, I do, I hear what you're saying. And also at the same time, I totally understand why people would be repelled by that because many many and by many i think to some degree if you exist in america and you are a queer person you more than likely have been traumatized by christian culture um christian fundamentalist culture at least in some small way and so i get the pushback and that also leaves people who still hold on to sincere christian beliefs and also have their queer identity that can leave us in a very awkward position of where do we go? Because we don't, we don't want to re-traumatize people. And we also want to work out, as I believe Paul said, work out our faith in fear and trembling. Like, where do we go to do that? And of course, you know, conservative spaces, as you say, are not welcoming of a core part of who we are. And so we can't go there and do that. 
And in the queer community, we might be re-traumatizing them by bringing up all of these things. And there's going to be, there can be a trauma response of, I'm going to push you away because that traumatized me and I don't want to talk about yeah, it. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so it's like, where do we go? Where can people go? And that's not even just in our faith, but in all faith traditions, I think there is a, there is a, a hunger for that space where multiple identities are welcome. And I actually, it's interesting that we're talking about this. I actually recently started a support group at a community center that I was an intern at. And um, it's a support group for, I call it healing from spiritual and religious damage. And it's so interesting. Every single person I talk to about the group, they're like, that is so needed. And because it is so needed, we need these spaces where people can bring not only their sexual or gender identity, but also their religious and spiritual identity and kind of work out these things in harmony. I've had several great conversations with different people from different faiths. And while the names of the characters are different, the names of the God is different and um, the traditions are different. It's like the spirit behind it, the spirit of homophobia and transphobia behind it is the same. Yeah. And the impact is the same or it yeah. can be the same. Yeah. And and I think once again, that, that comment and it circles back to, you know, the point of the documentary homophobia is the enemy and those thought processes, those feelings that egg that on, that's the enemy. And Julie Rogers, her comment near the end of the documentary, fairly close to the end, where I think at some point she says, she's like uh, looking back on her experience and says, you know, I have to remember Jesus isn't the one who did this. This was not, it, it was the church or it was these people who said they're part of the church. And I'm paraphrasing probably poorly, but like that I think is so important. It's like, it's people misinterpreting the message like it's twisting a loving message or in these other faiths too, that I'm not, you know, well versed in. It's like most times these messages are loving and then people twist them to how they want them to be in a hateful way. And it's like, it's never that original loving message. It's how people twist it. And we have to remember that to not lose sight of our original love. I guess is what I'm getting at. And yeah. and because I think without remembering that, I could have left Prey away and been so angry. And I mean, I was still angry. I'm still frustrated. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. But it's so easy or it would have been to like be like, I'm done with all of this. And like, there's still the thoughts, you know, it's like, I'm just going to wake up in the morning, done with church, done with all this. But it's like, those are two different things. The people and the divine are not the same. And sometimes that's very tough to see. Yeah. I'm sure I've been the dick at times too. So, <laughs> yeah. Yep, same. I echo everything you said just now. And it reminded me it is so tempting, I think, to be angry. And I think in some contexts, it's good to be angry. And it's okay to be angry. Like what happened to us was wrong and it should not right. have happened to us. 
at the same time, it's like, what do we do with that anger? Yes, absolutely. Yeah. And I, I am very tempted to direct that anger at, I think of specifically uh, the change movement, Bethel Church's change movement. I can so easily direct so much anger at them which is, I, I don't know if that person that they show throughout the documentary, if that person is a part of the change movement, or if they're just allied with the change movement, I don't really know. I see posts from them. And I it makes me so angry to be like, you are, you are leading impressionable young people down a path of self hatred of and pro- most likely self harm. And it, it makes me so angry. And there is, there is a justifiable, righteous anger there. And there's also an anger out of hurts. And I think this documentary, and even this conversation now is reminding me that it's, you know, where should I direct that anger? Should I direct it at the change movement? Or should I direct it at what the thing that is behind the change movement, which is ultimately hatred? homophobia, fear, transphobia, the thing that is causing these things to happen. Because we could get rid of the changed movement tomorrow and homophobia is still going to exist. And like this documentary says, we like, look, we got rid of Exodus. Here comes the changed movement. Yep. It, it's like we we're gonna, if we just demonize the institution, it's not going to solve the problem. It's just going to create another problem that's going to look, it's going to have a different coat of paint. And so it's like, how do we channel our anger towards the actual problem? Yeah, that's the difficult part. Yeah. Do you have any other thoughts about found family or the changed movement or pray away or anything? Yeah, I think going back to found family and community, I think it's, I just think it's so rewarding when you actually do find it. I think the difficulty is it takes time. And some people do find it very quickly. And some people maybe are born into having that, you know, they don't need to do that. But it it is when you have those people who are, like-minded and stuff it's so good and so healthy to be able to have those conversations and just serious and goofy i mean we've been able to have talks like this and we also share dumb memes and all types of (laughs) things so exactly yeah it's not all serious all the time but to have people to walk into that heavy with is so valuable and and walk through it together, not just into. Gaines, I have a question for you based on what you're saying right now. Yeah. So what would you say to someone who is like, yes, give me, give me this community. I want it. I need it. I can't find it. I am struggling to find that. What would you say to that person? On one practical sense, first of all, it can take time. So don't give up, keep you know, keep working at it because it it will take time. And the first commu- the first community you find may not be the community for you, and that's okay. They may be right for a short period of time and just keep moving. Another practical tip is uh, qchristian.org. 
Um, they're a great resource. They have a lot of message boards and blogs and stuff that you can jump right into and probably get connected regionally. Another resource is the Believer app. There's no E between the V and the R. It's a queer faith connection app for multiple levels, just social or dating if you're looking for that too. Um, like so across the board and they're they're doing some great things as well. We at Refuge Faith Community are working on creating some things on a large scale, but also local in the outside of Philadelphia area. We're working away at that. And that's a process. Right now, we want to be a resource for people and help them wherever we can. So feel free to reach out of a, to reach out to us on social media and we'll definitely help you where we can. And, and also in terms of if you are in a crisis, in a mental health crisis, and you need help now, you're isolated, the Trevor Project is a great resource for you. They have a 24-hour crisis hotline. I'm just going to read it out to you right now. It is 1-866-488-7386. That is a great resource for you as well if you are feeling the need to talk to someone right now. Uh, that would be a great resource for you. Yeah, definitely. If if you are in trouble, go to that. Just don't even, don't think about it. Just go do it. Just go yeah. get help. You know, queer community has already lost too many people. Just please go get help. Yeah, well, we've gone over a lot of big things this week. A lot of, I don't know where I'm going with this. Uh, We've done better this week at getting through things fairly coherently than normal. Yes, <laughs> so, we have. <laughs> we have done a really good job. Yes, with that. yes, yeah. No, but we've gotten through a lot this week and uh, through Pray Away and just talking about community. And feel free to reach out to us regarding community. And like Brendan said, if you do need help, reach out to the Trevor Project. But wherever you're at, like, don't walk alone. You know, that's the important thing here. Yeah. And that that's like why we're doing this. I know we say that every week, but we, we really mean that. We want people to make sure they're loved by others. They're loved by the divine and that there's always family, even if you haven't met them yet. All right. Well, thanks for joining us and we will talk to you soon. Thanks for listening to Refuge Radio with your hosts, Gaines Taylor and Brendan Bell. Audio production and music were provided by Inclusion Audio with musical help from Lyndon Braun. Find Refuge Faith Community on social media on Instagram at refuge underscore faith underscore community or on Twitter at refuge underscore faith.